Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha. I hope you're all doing well. And we've reached that time. The final live interview at WASD in what seems like... Uh, several years ago, many years ago now, uh, I went to WASD in London, did several interviews, and I've been uploading them over the last few weeks, and we have now got to the final one, but there will be more uh, to come, more interviews and reviews to come, so more at the end of this episode. But first, back to this interview, and I had the chance to speak to fellow Irish person and an absolutely lovely person, uh, Maddie. Now, Maddie worked at, uh, she was at Spooky Doorway before, and so she speaks about that. And she is doing not one, but two theses on narrative gaming as well. So she spoke to me about that. So uh, without further ado, well, actually, sorry, before we go to the interview, again, like the previous interviews at WASC, this was done, there was a lot of people behind us. There was some background noise. I have tried to reduce the background noise as much as possible. And yes, my phone did go off a couple of times, so apologies for that. But all of you re- re- uh, returned to normal with the podcast interviews uh, without interruptions or background noise uh, in future until the next live events. So without further ado, here is uh, my interview with Maddie. Please enjoy. So I am delighted now to be joined by Maddie, who is a well, narrative game designer. Yeah, developer, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say getting into it. Um, a junior at the minute. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you'll be going up pretty soon. <laughs> yes, that's from what the goal. You've been saying. For sure, for sure. Uh, well, great to see you again. Thank Maddie. you very much. It's, Good uh, to see you as well. It's uh, great to to be here. Um, again, hopefully the background noise isn't too annoying. I'll do what I can in post-production. Hey, no worries. This, this is the quietest we could find. Exactly. Live <laughs> events and all that. So. Oh, I know. Well, look, we spent two, three years in our homes, in our rooms, so exactly. di- I'm loving this. Yeah, no, it's, it's great seeing it's so busy as well, yeah. to be honest. Um, a lot of people turning out for the events that have been happening since COVID, which is nice. Yeah, which is really, really nice. So uh, are you having a good time before we get started in the... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm having, I'm having a good time. Um, it's nerve-wracking for me just to kind of breaking into industry. Um, I finished my degree, or by, I will be finishing my degree in the next week. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> huge things. Um, I am graduating from creative writing and going into video game narrative design, obviously. Um, or, so I'm hoping to kind of land the first full-time gig because my previous experience is animation and stuff like that. So... Um, junior writing to hopefully full-time narrative design now. Cool. Well, if there's anybody listening, we're going to talk a little bit about what you've done and what you're doing. Sure. What you can talk about, because I know there's some things you can't really yeah, yeah. talk so, more in detail. We don't want to get anybody in trouble. Exactly. Have people knocking on my door. I'm sure there'll be NDAs and also we'll try and move around that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so you said you did, was it a degree in creative writing? I did, yes. And, and um, how was that into now with with video games because uh, I know the, the whole interactive element in video games so was that a challenge is that different to 
studied or, or how was that? Yeah, no, um, it was definitely a learning curve in the sense that I kind of come from an animation background originally um, and I was pushed to go into creative writing because I continuously submitted scripts when I was in animation school even though that wasn't part of the assignment. Um, so I don't know if I was trying to show off or what the deal was but I just always really enjoyed writing uh, which led me to do creative writing. But my degree actually encompassed both sides of the creative writing and the professional writing. Um, but obviously with my background and more being in arts, I was leaning more towards the creative side. And I've always personally been interested in video game storytelling, mm. or that kind of interactive storytelling between being a writer and how a player might perceive what you're writing. Right. Um, so that was the biggest learning curve I think I didn't have experience in starting out, is I obviously would create stories or create characters or do a bit of world building, but it was very different writing for video games than it was writing for novels or even if you were plays, like right. different areas of mm. writing. Um, there's kind of that element you have to think of of not only is it being read on paper, but essentially somebody will be interacting with your story, so what are the elements that you can kind of open up a bit or be a bit more um, almost creative with to kind of allow players to experience something that's through your writing, you know? Right. No, absolutely. I mean, now I'm not a writer <laughs> of uh, games or otherwise, but yeah, I can imagine if you're if you're writing interactive, if you're writing for plays or novels, it's really just you, what do you want, but if you're writing interactive, it's like, you know, what will the player do? Yeah. Uh, sometimes the player might do something completely different to what you What expect. you intended, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's what I, what I would imagine. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, now, as, as we mentioned before recording, you worked at uh, Spooky Doorway. I did, yeah. I was a junior narrative designer for Spooky Doorway, uh, based in Galway. Um, <coughs> I did kind of just character designs for them. Um, obviously, the games I worked on aren't out yet, <laughs> so I can't go too much into detail with them. But I basically had done some character design practice. That was my first real exposure into the video game kind of area. Because um, as I mentioned before, I was all animation based for that. Um, so this was my first experience with Spooky to actually see the transition between having a writing portfolio as a graduate to mm. applying what you know and writing with obviously the tools that they use in the industry and how to write in a linear fashion when it comes mm. to writing in video games. Like There was a lot more that even I thought just by reading books I would be more prepared for like, yeah, I yeah, know yeah. about, you know, um, that I didn't in the end. Uh, that spooky allowed me to kind of showcase and highlight, which was nice of them. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure it was a fantastic experience working with him. You said you worked closely with Dave McCabe, I believe? Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what was it like to work with him? I know you can't talk about the projects. Yeah. What was it like working with him? Because I spoke with him before, um, you know, well, once, and he seemed like a funny guy. Like, oh, definitely. No, he's <laughs> and definitely. the games, you know, Dark Detective are funny. Yeah, no, um, um, obviously Dark Side Detective has a very, like, Americana type yes, of writing style. It's funny yeah. that it's from an Irish company that yeah. makes a very American Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Um, and it was so interesting uh, because when I 
Like, working with Dave was great, um, mm. but when I was first brought on, I immediately thought it would be, oh, it's coming from Dark Side Detective, and we're talking about this Americana type style, so that's why you're being brought on. But it, it really wasn't. It was um, due to my other courses I had studied in attachment to creative writing that kind of broadened out my portfolio a bit more mm. uh, that Spooky was actually interested in. Uh, so it was interesting working with a company or working with Dave particularly, who was so open to me drawing from my own experiences and my own backgrounds uh, as a writer to bring into the game. Yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, And you also stood out with Spooky Doorway, and did you learn anything, to to, to find a question about that, was there anything that you took away from their writing style or for narrative narrative gaming in particular, any advice that they gave or anything that helped? I don't know if that's uh, putting you on the spot. No, no, no. (laughs) Or anything in general, I know you spoke about it, but anything particularly Yeah, I would say character construction. Um, Like I said, when I would write stories, I would have, at least I thought I had a very good idea of establishing, like, you know, uh, background stories for characters and kind of character transitions throughout a story. But the element I definitely was missing that Spooky kind of taught or coached me with or taught me uh, was that there has to be a reason for each of your characters. You can't just have characters that are kind of filler characters to just be strictly comedic entertainment or strictly be um, a driving plot device like you have to have dynamic like every character you make has to be dynamic to a degree Um, and they have to interconnect with each other which Mm. is something I definitely didn't consider in my own work um, that I was able to be critical of but learn from and just with my own portfolio that I would write characters that kind of were standalone like they existed in the same world together but they were a bit standalone whereas with Spooky I was taught that there kind of is this center line throughout all of them that they all need to be in the story for a reason. Right, yeah, yeah. I think from playing the Dark Side Detective that, I mean, at first glance you might think, oh, it's just a few jokes. Yeah. But it's more than that. No, absolutely. It's, uh, and the characters, you know, I think that, you know, I was like, uh, well, I really care about the characters and the extra, you know, the NPCs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all have a purpose in the game. So that makes, you know, you make a really good point there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and even down to, like, um, you know, like, I think it goes back to old theater rules, but we always mm. hear that no character is too small. Um, true, that's true. And uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I'll talk to her after. No, you're fine. Um, But yeah, no character is too small, and I think that applies to video games as well. Um, Even if you have characters where their their only dialogue they have is bark dialogue, or it's, you know, NPCs that use that a text box pops up in passing or anything like that, they're still just as important as your central main characters. And yeah. I think that's something that Darkseid shows very yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. And that's why so many players enjoy it. Yeah. Because all of that is kind of considered... It's important. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Now, you also mentioned that you're doing the thesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what's the thesis called, first of all? Um, yeah, so my thesis, I'm actually kind of doing two simultaneously okay. that act as one big project, but they're like two separate thesis papers. Um, so one is tackling just on, because I'm based in Galway um, right now at the minute, and I'm kind of noticing a trend in gaming where we're talking more about mythology or folkloric aspects of Irish 
mythical studies uh, or Irish culture studies in that way. So one paper is um, depicting the uses of Irish mythology and folklore in video games and in this interactive media storytelling, more specifically. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, and kind of preserving or highlighting that sense, that aspect of Irish culture. Um, yeah. Because right now, obviously, Galway is kind of blowing up in the video game scene. Yes. Um, and there's, I think it's just something really important to kind of almost think about or hop on to that there's so much mythology based in the west of Ireland specifically Um, and it's something that video games definitely uh, budding in Galway can kind of grasp onto but I just on a narrative side of course like I couldn't say anything about art or programming or any of the other super important roles but I just on a narrative perspective alone there's so much to pull from myths and legends and creatures that kind of can be integrated into really fascinating games. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole load of games you could make based on that. It's, yeah. Are, are there any games, you know, based or include Irish mythology that you know about? Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's one that is a really big one that's already been released before called Folklore, which is kind of funny because it covers a lot of Irish mythology aspects and not folkloric no. elements. It's called Folklore? It's called Folklore, yeah. Um, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, no, it's a great game. Um, yeah. Great game. There, <clears throat> obviously, there are um, more upcoming indie productions that are still in development that do kind of highlight the lifestyle of the West of Ireland um, overall. Um, and then also going into details more about the elements of games like Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, sure. and Elden Ring that kind of take from... Not completely, but take elements from Irish mythology sure. or folklore. Um, so that's half of it. Okay. Yeah. And so then, that's the first half of your right, thesis. Yeah. Um, and then the second half is how everything you learn. So that's like an applied example, but everything you, how video games can be an educational tool as far as narratology studies. Yes. Um, and that's the second half that I think a lot of people even here at this festival are mainly interested in um, hearing me talk about, which is, which has been great to get that kind of feedback on it. But it is essentially arguing how video games should be structured into higher academia uh, to be a core source material the, the same way that books, prose, and theater plays are. I agree are. entirely. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to extract. And it, obviously, again, I'm just speaking from an arts slash creative writing um, standpoint, but I do feel like there's huge levels of material uh, in video games to kind mm. of extract just on narratology alone and kind of teaching the writing concepts, depicting different genres and different ways we approach stories depending on whether it's a first-person shooter, whether it's yeah. a third-person it's, game. Yeah. No, I, I agree entirely because I was just speaking to, to someone who said that in his previous job before he started making games full-time, mm-hmm. that he was uh, making a, you know games for kids at school mm-hmm. uh, to teach them about online safety. Yeah. And they were learning about how to be safe you know, online through this game but then I think they said that they didn't have funding or whatever you know the typical story yeah, schools didn't have enough funding for it and it's not on the curriculum online safety which I think is another thing mm-hmm. probably should be no it definitely um, should but, be but uh, and I, I, I agree I think that this is uh, very I think that 
just to the perception from a wider world, I think it's probably not, not as much now, but the, the games are for kids, or it's just shoot, shoot and again, they're probably shooting games, yeah. but it's just, you know, shooting this, and it's always bad for children. Uh, I think it can be used for education as well, and that Definitely. It's, it's a way for children and people to learn and enjoy it as well, I think. So it's no, absolutely. And I think it's also like, obviously, I've been looking at it with a critical eye and kind of like a trained eye when it comes to writing, you could say, in quotations. But um, I do think there's a lot of benefit because even with my very small thesis class alone, um, there's very few of us in that degree. And even me teaching them how mm. I view video game narratology critically, they're replaying games that they've played now with the lens of looking at what I was talking about or like the elements that make it educational um, just in what you can learn from it and just through playing yeah. it. You know, like there is this kind of interpersonal relationship obviously between a player and the game and every player has a unique perspective the same way you would have a unique perspective um, doing required reading for a course or things like that you know um, and it's been really informative just to see people like it does get reception and mm. I guess that's what I'm trying to highlight in my thesis is that it is it's proven beneficial. Um, yeah. It can be actively proven beneficial right now. Like, you yeah, know. It, we use it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you have any examples of games that, uh, that can be used for educational purposes? Or um, Well, I think it's honestly like the world your oyster when it comes to narratology, to be honest. Sure. Because, um, I mean, there was a big argument for my thesis presented to me with like, oh, there's absolutely nothing to gain from first-person shooters. Like, Ooh. you can't argue... <laughs> exactly. You can't argue... And I totally understand where they're coming from. That is true. You know, it's just shooting people. But. Exactly. But there's... And that's... Like, on the surface, you're like, yes, that's what it is. But if you have the kind of somebody to coach you or have the trained perspective to kind of look past that you experience the fact that any you could take any first like my example was Bioshock let's say mm. of course there's an existing story with Bioshock but it is a first person shooter game and I was kind of showing how though it's a first person shooter game you are immediately Bioshock has a very fast into the action plot development and most first-person shooters do. Mm. There's not really a long lead-up the way you would have a horror game or an adventure game that would also be first-person. So there's something to be learned by the fact mm. that it's a first-person shooter genre that we can be like, okay, why do we dive straight into the action? Why does that attach to so many people? Why do so many people enjoy mm. these types of games? You know, there, there are educational perspectives that we can have even on games that look very entertainment strictly you know definitely yeah and with a view yeah and so. even Bioshock now you probably tell me more but I you know I've heard that it can help people about uh, think even more about capitalism or what goes wrong mm -hmm. with capitalism or you know more you know abstract topics like that Exactly. You, know, you can gain like that, or if there's first-person shooters like um, Medal of Honor, well, they're going way back, Medal of Honor, mm -hmm. or even Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can say, well, you know, you learn more, okay, you won't know exactly, but you know, in the military, what it's like in World War II, and, you know, something. Exactly. Not exactly. Mm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, no, that's why so it's been received well, I take it, then you're saying. It has, yeah. I... 
I didn't actually expect any reaction uh, for it at WASD, but I just on a whim kind of said that that half of my thesis, the kind of educational value mm. when it comes to narratology in university education, and was available and people could read it if they wanted to, and it actually gained a lot of attention. Um, a lot of people who are currently in game development, like higher up narr uh, narrative writers than me, obviously, even, um, have been interested in reading it just because so yeah. many of us believe, like obviously I'm still talking on a very niche point of that topic mm. being about your, like I'm more talking in regards to art students, um, students who want to go into university or higher education setting the arts field, so English, creative writing, um, any of the general arts really, there's something to be gained. Yeah, there, yeah. There's so many different components that make up video games, so there's something to be gained for any student going into the arts yeah. um, to look at video games educationally, and that's kind of what it's about. And so many people in game development are interested in reading it or having discussions yeah. with me, which has been great. No, I, I'm not surprised, personally. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you. they would Thank be you. interested. It's, and it's also a topic that's not talked about enough, exactly. in my opinion. And, that and that's kind of what I, I, throughout my four years studying creative writing, of course I'm learning narratology concepts, I'm learning perspective writing, um, all the kind of core elements you can be taught to be a writer, sure. But it was kind of noticing that gap in my passion, which is video games, and my now educational training, which is creative writing, mm. and kind of how there's no reason in this day and age that video games shouldn't be looked at as a valuable source. Um, exactly. And it's, yeah. it's not talked about, and it should it, be. It, um, I agree entirely that you know, again, to try and remove this perception that kids or the games is just for kids. I mean, not a problem, exactly, yeah. but there can be more to video games than, than that. That's fa fantastic. Um, and are you able to talk about any games that you're working on or um, anything that you're doing? Or? Yeah, well, I can talk about um, my own game. Yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I am aware I don't want to get you in trouble no, no, with NDA, but your game, yeah, you can say however, however much you want. So tell us about your game. What sure. Is um, so my game actually, it started as a very small group for the Galway Game Jam back mm -hmm. in 20... I'm terrible for this. It, pro it probably was 2021, okay, 2022. So Something like started during COVID. Yeah, basically <laughs> right after the lockdown. Um, it was my very first game jam. Um, a little bit of lore on the game itself, I guess. Um, it was my very first game jam, and I had no idea what game jam was, no idea the expectations going into game jam, um, and I was a bit too ambitious creating an entirely narrative-based game for a 48-hour competition, which do not recommend to anybody going into game jam to do. Um, very confusing to get that many elements working, but beyond that, the game itself is called Memory House. Um, it is a actually a COVID-19 response game. Oh, okay. So it was inspired by the fact that very close friends of mine and myself, obviously a lot of people lost people during COVID. Um, and it kind of forced a lot of us, I think, to look at life and death in a kind of flipped perspective, you know? 
Um, and that's what Memory House does as a narrative game. Uh, it's a game where you play as this Anubis-type creature to life and death, who are personified into characters, and essentially they're debating the fate of different humans throughout the game. And your job is to go around their homes and kind of find memory pieces, essentially. And the memory pieces take you into levels of the game, and by the end of that section of the game, you decide if the human goes with Alora, whose life, or Pickett, whose death, um, and what that kind of all means and how we can... It's kind of used also, besides being an entertainment value game, it's also our goal of it in being written was that we could kind of offer a new perspective on how to look at loss. Mm. Um, and that was our that was our main goal of it. Um, it was written by me. Um, at the time of Game Jam, we had one programmer, one artist, um, or no, one artist, two programmers, and me. So it was really <laughs> yeah, very small team. Um, it's entirely voice acted as well. Wow! Yeah. And is this available online or anywhere? Um, Can we... We're close to actually finishing a demo of it. Oh, perfect! Um, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully soon. Yeah, we the same team from Game Jam has been working on it. Uh, I'm kind of acting as the creative director and the the narrative designer for it. But ever since then, we've brought in two animators, wow. a few artists. Yeah, oh, well, so well, please send me the link. No, definitely. Because uh, I'm definitely. very interested in playing that. I definitely will. You can, you can see our horrible, uh, I, say, I say horrible very lovingly, um, but you can see our very first run of Memory House when it was made for Game Jam on the Itcho. The Itcho oh, program. you have an Itch page, yes. do you? Yeah. Um, what's the Itch page, Maddie? Uh, no, no, it's a... Uh, no, no, it's fine. Um, it's Gingefire, actually. So, G-I-N-G-E-F-I-R-E. Uh, uh, -E. Oh, perfect. I will include that in the in the link. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, no, I'll have to check it out. And, uh, and yeah, wish you best of luck with the demo. Thank you very much. It is wonderfully broken. If you play that version, <laughs> we love it so much. Like, Absolutely. Now, this, this is like how it starts, and then hopefully the, the demo will be like how it's made progress. Yes, right? definitely. No, we 100% we intend to keep the wonderfully broken version on it. Yeah, no, no, cool that's to try fantastic. Out. I know you've been doing a lot of great work that I can <laughs> see. And so, uh, so, so, yeah, so you are looking to work in a studio, is that? Or um, if, I would well. like to. I, I obviously am pursuing, with my team, I'm mm, pursuing uh, the Memory House game at sure. the minute. Um, and we all are. Like, it is a definitely a passion project, obviously. We, we do have a kind of... I say air quotes loosely set up company, um, but I say very small <laughs> well, studio. First steps. <laughs> exactly, an idea of one um, that isn't exactly off the ground, but it's the same team. We're very dedicated to finishing the project, even though it is a passion project at the minute. Mm. Um, and we're hoping, like, upon its release demo, people actually like it and they get a good sense of what it is. But me personally, I would look to join a studio just because mm. I do want to have a bit more exposure just as a writer and learn more. 
because mm. um, I am by no means like a, an expert or professional at all. Um, well, they have some fantastic experience and ideas now, and I think from the thesis, which should hopefully help. Yeah, definitely. At least get, give you exposure to this. And exactly. Yeah. No, and I think I think you know it's a cliche, I guess, but I I do truly believe that we should never stop learning as writers. Yeah, exactly. Um, like it it would be so stupid of me nearly to be like, okay, well now that I've got the degree, I'm completely done and I'm ready to take on my own company. You know, and those are all we're, wonderful goals, but it's actually like, we're we're all always learning. Exactly, and and I I think one of the main like even if I could tell first year students going into creative writing now, one of the main key things being a writer is constant observation. Sure. And even if you have like one of the best pieces of advice I ever got um, was that I, just like any junior writer starting out, will look at head narratology or head narrative designer um, positions or people in those positions and go, oh, that's incredible. I don't know how to talk to them. They've been in this, doing this for 20 years. And I actually got the chance to sit down with one um, at the Adventure X conference. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, no, it was a great experience. Yeah, it's great. The people in general that I've seen in this community are really nice and helpful towards definitely, one another. Definitely. So. And even if you're, like, I wouldn't personally be a shy person, but <laughs> even if you are, like, it's genuinely you can talk to anybody. Uh, Absolutely, like, yeah. Everybody here loves to talk to other people. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because it, these kind of conference like for gamers and where a lot of them are kind of, a lot of us are kind of maybe shy or maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. more introvert than extrovert and you put us all together and we just you know, talk about our passions. Exactly. And we become fully intro extroverted. Well, and that's it's, just it. Like, yeah. It's so great to see so many people get so excited yeah, so about. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I've seen on the podcast, that you know, I get people, there's no interview that I've done that I've felt, oh, this is so long. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone is so passionate mm -hmm. about their game and all that I could literally speak for hours yeah. uh, with them. But, um, but, you know, before they, they kick us out of this place, <laughs> um, is there any game that you that you remember the last one you played that you really, really enjoyed? Um, just from like a narr narrative yeah, from any or, or any narrative or any other... Uh, well, my personal favorite game is actually um, Spyro Dawn of the Dragon. Okay. Um, quite an old game now, I guess you could say. Um, I was absolutely crushed whenever they stopped making the Spyro games. And what I, was it about those games that... I, I think I've always been interested, just personally, in like that kind of mythical fantasy element. But I was obsessed with dragons as a kid, which didn't help. Which didn't help my immediate attraction. I mean, it's, to... it's not a bad attraction. No, though. not at all. Not at all. I... There are worse things. <laughs> exactly. I thought they were the coolest thing. Um, but no, I think for me, it was interesting having like like there's different elements of that game that I really enjoyed that I enjoyed the story of it I think it was a really really good send-off for the Spyro series in general mm. um, I think it wrapped up each of its character lines very well and there's a few lines of clever witty dialogue in it that I enjoy um, there's also the kind of free roam aspect like you do have kind of structured areas or missions to do in these areas but it is you know to a degree pretty mm. free roam um for when it was made at the time yeah I would yeah say. um and it's also just really interesting like i still have though i'm not actively in animation i would say anymore i do it's, have that kind of 
thought process. Mm. So it was really interesting to see how they depicted a dragon would move or a dragon would fly, because you obviously play as Spyro sure. um, in that game. And there was the added element that you could also play as Cinder, who was the villain of the first games and now was a hero as well. So. Um, I really like that whole character arc and the fact that on the last game you could actually play as her and she had a whole different range of abilities than Spyro did. Um, but no, I just have nothing but fond memories with that cool. game. Um, I think the soundtrack's beautiful as well. So just I, a game that worked overall. Yeah, no, for, for me you. anyway. I yeah, think no, I've heard, I've heard about it, of course. And so I imagine you liked uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, no, I liked How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, so very on brand of me to immediately like How to Train Your Dragon as well. Um, yeah, no, I just, I think that kind of whole area, there's so much to play with as well as a writer. Like, obviously none of us have been dragon writers, so right. it's like, yeah, I can do whatever I want in this Yeah, kind of make up your own rules. Exactly, and, and it makes sense, you know? Well, well, the final question before I let you go, that sure. I'm curious about is, is there any game world that you would like to visit? So any world in any game that you've played that you'd like to visit? Now, because I was speaking to others and they were saying, well, like these games that I like, but I'm not sure I'd like to go to the world. Yeah. But even to visit them, if knowing that you'd be okay, like to visit, I don't know. Um, it's probably such a safe answer, which go is ahead, so embarrassing. Go ahead, um, <laughs> I honestly would want to live in the Animal Crossing world. Oh, ab the idea. Absolutely. Of oh my. Right. The, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't enjoy being indebted to a raccoon, but like um, but the fact that you can live on this isolated island, just go swimming, go fishing. No worries. Yeah, like it. Just zero yeah, just with all the worries in the world, kind of, we don't need to have that on this island. Yeah, exactly. I need to play those games, although I'm kind of worried, like, will I get addicted to this game? Oh, like, I love the Slice of Life games. I, I love the whole idea, you know, airlines that are piloted by extinct dodo birds, sign me up. Um, <laughs> I'm all there. Oh, well, that, that's a fantastic answer, I think. It's... <laughs> uh, well, yes, yeah, so we mentioned uh, itch.io page, uh, Jing Fire. Yep. Um, um, and I would include links there as well. Sure. And sure. Uh, yeah, look, I hope we keep in touch a bit. For uh, sure. Thesis Definitely. In a bit. That, Glad I, I could help. Yeah, you. thank you very much and You're very, very better look. Thank you. So that was my interview with Maddie. I hope you all enjoyed it. And a uh, huge, huge thank you to Maddie uh, for agreeing to speak to me. And uh, hopefully we can get in touch uh, very soon. You know, since the two of us are in Ireland. Uh, it would be great to meet a fellow adventure game enthusiast uh, in real life, possibly. But uh, it was wonderful speaking to her, and I had a wonderful, wonderful time at WASD as well. Uh, pretty busy, as you could see, as you could hear from the interviews that I've uploaded over the last few weeks. But, uh, but thank you to all the developers and everyone who agreed to speak to me uh, at the event. So hopefully I'll be back next year. Uh, so, um, also, uh, if you are a studio or developer or working in the video game industry and uh, you are looking for a narrative game designer, then you can uh, contact Maddie. Uh, she, or the link to her Twitter is uh, in the show notes. Uh, she has great experience, so you can contact her there uh, if you so wish. So that is it for this episode and for the live episodes. Now, again, still plenty more to come. There are 
podcast interviews, uh, thankfully without any background noise. There are reviews of adventure games coming up. And, uh, well, I'll be back at AdventureX in a few months' time. Oh, my God, can't believe it. Nearly come upon us again. And uh, we'll see what else, uh, whether we can go to other conferences as well or meet people in real life again. But still plenty more to come. If you do like this episode, you can review it, you can share it. Uh, It really, really helps us. And you can also join our Patreon if you so wish. Uh, You get uh, extra content such as early access to these episodes and some extra content from, uh, from interviews as well. Uh, so that is it for for this episode. Uh, until next time, uh, keep subscribing to the to the podcast to make sure you get these episodes uh, directly into your phone or listening device automatically. And uh, well, we'll be back very very soon again. So take care, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>